بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم رحمدہ نسلی علیہ رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ ٹنائٹ از دا ففٹینتھ آف جنوری ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی موڈ آن ٹو دا Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik and I've started the subsection in which I'm now mentioning our beloved messenger وسلم, priceless du'as for his noble servant and the report I mentioned yesterday is the report in which he was, in, uh, he was invited by the mother of Anas and she offered some dates and ghee but he said he was fasting and he said put your dates and ghee back in their respective containers and he offered a prayer So here there's an important ruling. Shaykh Nawab Muhammad Qutbuddin Khan Dehlawi Rahmatullah in his Mazair-e-Haq number 2077, he clarified. The Holy Prophet did not break his fast despite the invitation because he knew that Sayyidah Umm Sulaim would not be grieved at his refusal. So stop in the quote. If you're invited for a meal, it's wajib to attend. As long as there's no sin. If you're fasting, what do you do? You break the fast. But why did the Prophet not break his fast here? Said, the reason was because he knew that she wouldn't mind. Then the Shaykh said, The scholars, i.e. the Hanafis, mention that an invitation to eat is enough excuse for both the guest and the host to break their optional fast if either of them feel grieved at the other's rejection. I, they would be offended and hurt. However, the fast should be redeemed later. I, this is wajib for the Hanafis. So stop in the quote. So he said that both the host and the guest should break their fast if it grieves the guest or the host. So this narration indicates the host, it was the guest who was fasting. The Prophet Did he break his fast? No, because he knew the host wouldn't mind. But where is the proof that the host should break his fast? And the proof which comes to mind is the hadith in Sahih Bukhari where Salman al-Farsi was invited by his brother Abu Darda. And Abu Darda was the host and he gave some food to him. And Salman goes, aren't you going to eat? And Abu Darda goes, I'm fasting. So Salman al-Farsi said to him, I'm not going uh, to eat unless you eat. He forced him to break his fast. Later, when Abu Darda approached the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa He confirmed the viewpoint, I of Salman. So the host should also break the fast if the guest, it displeases the guest. Then the Shaykh said, If no one is likely to mind, then the fast should not be broken. So either whether you're the host or the guest, if nobody minds, you should keep the fast. In addition, the one who fasts and is a visitor to anyone must supplicate for the host and his family This is recommended. So even though, going to the hadith yesterday, the Prophet didn't break his fast, he still made a dua for the host. So even if you keep your fast, you should still make a dua. The Hanafis, Rahimahumullah, state, if an optional deed is terminated, it becomes wajib to make it up. And they've got proofs. Just to mention two. Firstly, in the Quran, In Surah Muhammad, Surah 47, verse 33, 
Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He says, وَلَا أَمَالَكُمْ And do not nullify your deeds. And do not nullify your deeds. So the verse of the Quran explicitly states you should not nullify your deeds. And similarly, another proof in Sayyid Bukhari and Muslim, our beloved Messenger when he was prevented from performing the Umrah by the unbelieving polytheists of Makkah, he made it up immediately the next year. He didn't waste time. <laughs> Meaning that the, it had to be made up. It's important. So the Umrah was Sunnah. But the makeup, according to the Hanafis, was wajib. So note the Hanafis, they've got proofs. The Shafi'is and Hanbalis, Rahimahumullah, state that the makeup deed remains optional and they also furnish their proofs. So to give one proof for the Shafi'is and Hanbalis, the Prophet wasallam. this man came, he goes, Ya Rasulullah, uh, I'm keeping a fast, but I've been, I've been invited. Shall I break my fast? And the Prophet wasallam said, the host has gone out of his way. In other words, break your fast and keep another in its place if you wish. This is in Behaki. So the Prophet indicated here that the makeup is optional. So note there's a difference of opinion, but it's important to follow your school. The Hanafi state is wajib to make up a terminated optional deed and the Shafi's and Hanbali state, it's uh, optional. So again, returning to the du'as the Prophet made sallallahu alayhi wa for us. In Sayyid Bukhari, Sayyid Muslim, Mishkat, Volume 4, Number 121, in the chapter on the companions, radiyallahu ta'ala anhum in general. Sayyidina Anas, he said, radiyallahu, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, my wealth today is certainly enormous. And my children and my grandchildren are as many as about 100. Subhanallah. So why was his wealth enormous and why was his children in triple figures? Because I mentioned yesterday that the Prophet said, O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, give him wealth and children and bless them for him. In a sahih hadith in Imam Ahmad and his Muslim. So Lord, he himself testified, I've been blessed beyond measure. Maybe it was for this reason to thank Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for such priceless blessings that Hassan al-Basri said, Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu used to slaughter camels as atika for his children. Subhanallah. Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu used to slaughter camels as atika for his children. This is in Tabrani and Ibn Abi Shayba with a sahih chain of transmission. So why was he slaughtering camels? What's atika? Atika, as is known, is that if you're blessed with a son, you slaughter two goats or two sheep. In gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or if it's a female, you slaughter one. And that's because of a command of the Prophet But where does it mention camels? So why was Anas, when he was blessed with children, slaughtering camels? So the scholars point out, this is to show gratitude. Because Allah ta'ala has blessed me through the du'as of the Prophet So I'm slaughtering camels for an akika. But... It is important to note here that our beloved mother, Sayyida Aisha radiyallahu had disapproved of this. For Abu Mulaika had said, Rahmatullah Sayyidina Abdul Rahman ibn Abu Bakr radiyallahu had a male child and his sister Sayyida Aisha radiyallahu was told, O mother of the believers, slaughter a camel for his akika. She said, A'udhu billah. 
I seek refuge with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather, what Rasulullah said, Shaitani muqafa'atan. Two comparable shots, I two runs. This is recorded in Tahawi Behaki and Shaykh Al-Bani Rahmatullah states Hassan in his Irwa Ul Ghalil number 1166. So there's a contradiction. Sayyidina Anas flawless report slaughtered camels as Akika for his children. Our mother was told that your brother has been blessed with a son. So should he slaughter the camel for his Akika? She goes, A'udhu Billah. He goes, Rasulullah, what did he say? Shaitani muqafa'atan. Two compatible rams. So now, how is it possible to reconcile? It is important to note that Sayyidina Anas had not encouraged others to follow him in the practice of slaughtering camels for a nakika. In addition, with regards to the sacrifice on the day of Eid, Imam Ahmad relates from Ismail ibn Ibrahim, relates from Abdul Aziz ibn Suhaib, that Anas radiyallahu said, Qana Rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, yudahhi biqabshayn, wa ana udahhi biqabshayn. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to sacrifice two rams on Eid al-Adha, and I also sacrificed two rams on that most auspicious of days. This is in Ahmad in his Musnad, volume 3, page 101, sahih to the criteria of Bukhari and Muslim, with a prestigious short chain of just two narrators between Anas and Imam Ahmad. So why is this important to highlight? Because he knew what the sacrifices were on the day of Eid. It was sacrifice of rams. He narrates it from the Prophet and he emulated that. But when it comes to Aqiqah, he never told people to do it. He did it himself. So the way to reconcile is because of the dua of the Prophet. Because he had hundreds of children. He was thinking, I need to show more gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So maybe he himself started sacrificing camels. But our mother was basically saying, the sunnah is rams. Two rams for the child. So now, why did Rasulullah sacrifice two rams on the day of Eid? One of these sacrifices, our beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, had offered for all those of his ummah who could not afford to. Thus Anas followed suit. This is important. Some people think, well, that's the Prophet, he would do it for himself and for the ummah. But we just do it for ourselves. And the answer is, why is Anas sacrificing two rams? Right? Who's he doing the second ram for? So he's following the sunnah. So Anas is teaching you that that is also, you can do this as well. If you're blessed with the finance, sacrifice one, which is wajib for yourself, according to the majority of scholars, and do a second one. And that is in line for the ummah, those who can't afford to offer the sacrifice. And this is in line with the sunnah of the Prophet Such were the huge numbers of his blessed family that Hafiz ibn Hajar Askalani said, Rahmatullah more than 70 of his offspring used to perform tawaf around the Kaaba with him at the same time. More than 70 of his offspring used to perform tawaf around the Kaaba with him at the same time. This is in Al-Isaba, volume 1, page 84. Now think about that. If somebody goes, I've been blessed to go with my family. MashaAllah. How many of you did tawaf together? So the numbers you'll get is, you know, 3, 4, 5, 6. And if you're very fortunate, maybe 10, 11. 
Imagine somebody goes uh, more than 70. So your response to that would be, oh, have you brought your extended family with you? No, these are my sons and my daughters. Where's all these children come from? And the response is Anas. And notice the report says more. We don't know exactly how many there was. So imagine more than 70 of his offspring doing tawaf with him around the Holy Kaaba. And that's because of the dua of the Prophet The supplications just go on endless. For Anas relates that our beloved messenger made the following dua. Allahumma akthiru maalahu wa waladahu wa barik lahu fi ma aatayt. O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, increase his wealth and children and bestow your blessings on whatever you give him. Subhanallah. This is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 6,334. Uh, 6,334. Uh, Muslim in his Sayyid, number 2,408. Tirmidhi, number 3,855. Hassan Sayyid. Ahmad in his Muslim, number 27,496. So what's the addition? Wealth and children. But then the Prophet said, Bless whatever you give him. So think about that. What can you receive as a human being? The Prophet goes, bless it, anything. Anything he gets, bless it. In another report, our beloved Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam supplicated for his servant Anas Dus. O Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, grant him abundance in wealth and children, give him a long life and forgive his sins. Anas continued, I have already buried two less than a hundred of my children or two more than a hundred of them. And the fruits of my orchard are plucked twice a year. I have lived long enough to fill my heart. And I am now looking forward to the fourth dua. I the forgiveness of my sins. This is in Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabaqat, volume 7, page 19. Fattal Bari, 4-229. Sahih. Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 5, page 588 of the New English Translation. So let's look at this. So another Sahih hadith. What dua now? Bless him in wealth and children. Give him a long life. And forgive his sins. And he said three of them I've experienced. Now what's interesting, normally when you say, how many children have you got? He's talking about those who've died. <laughs> so what's, you know, how strange a statement is that? Imagine somebody who goes, how many kids have you got? I've buried a hundred. And you think, I didn't ask you, because hang on a minute, you buried a hundred. <laughs> He's trying to get across, look, here the 98 or 102 I've buried. My orchard, fructifies twice a year, not once. Because I've lived long enough to fill my heart, meaning I've, I've just lived and lived. I'm looking forward to the fourth dua, forgiveness. <laughs> Confirming further, in Sayyid Muslim, number 2481, Tirmidhi, number 3853, Hassan Sayyid Gharib, Anas said, as Rasulullah was passing by, my mother Umm Sulaim heard him. She thereupon said, Bi wa ummi ya Rasulullahi Anis. My father and mother be a ransom for you, Ya Rasulullah. This is Anis, the little Anas. Rasulullah thereupon supplicated three times. For me, three supplications, sorry. I have thus now found two of them answered in this world by being given abundant wealth, children, and a long life, and I hope for the third in the hereafter. So why is this narration interesting? This time he mentions his mother. And look how she addressed the Prophet Sallallahu Then she called Anas Anis. 
She goes, my mother and father be your ransom, Ya Rasulullah, he is little Anas. Meaning, make a dua for him. And, and Rasulullah made three duas. And he said, I've got two of them already. Meaning, dunya. And I'm hoping for the third. What's the third? Means forgiveness. Indeed, in one dua, the Prophet said, Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, increase his wealth and children, lengthen his life, and admit him into paradise. Subhanallah. This is in Behaki 6-194, Ibn Asakir in his Tariq Dimishq 3-349, Hafiz Zahabi in his Seer Al-Bidayah. So now what's added? The Prophet said, admit him into paradise. Forgive his sins and admit him into paradise. Now this orchard, this orchard is very interesting. With regards to his orchard, he himself clarified, my orchard bears fruit twice a year. Whereas there are no orchards in the area that bears fruit twice a year. <laughs> this is in Abu Nu'im, Qanzul Omal, volume 7, page 9, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 5, page 589 of the New English Translation. So it's not an area where you get uh, orchards giving fruit twice a year because mine is the only one. So look how strange that is to the people who were around him because why is it we only get fruit once a year and he's getting fruit twice because of the du'a. <laughs> And similarly, Abu Al-Aliyah, he further elucidated, Rahmatullah, وَكَانَ لَهُ بُسْطَانًا يَحْمِلُ فِي السَّنَةِ الْفَاقِحَةِ مَرَّتَيْنِ وَكَانَ فِيهَا رَيْحَانًا يَجِدُ مِنْهُ رِيحَ الْمِسْكِ He, radiyallahu, had a garden which yielded fruit twice every year. There were within it flowers which gave out the smell of musk. Subhanallah. There were within it flowers which gave out the smell of musk. This is in Tirmadi, number 3859, Hassan Gharib, Mishkat, volume 4, number 5, in the chapter on the miracles of the Prophet companions. So this Tabi'in, what did he say? He mentioned the famous narrative, he goes, it yielded fruit twice, twice but then he added, وَكَانَ فِيهَا رِيحَانًا يَجِدُ مِنْهُ رِيحَ الْمِسْكِ That's what's strange. There were flowers within his orchard. It gave out the smell of musk. Mm. Meaning it was something strange about his orchard. But this was the du'a of the Prophet So let's put this into summary. In summary, the following were the priceless du'as which our beloved Messenger made for his illustrious young cousin. And you can boil it down to six things. The first, an increase in his wealth and children. And like I've mentioned, it's very important to highlight in Surah Al-Kahf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that wealth and children are the beauty of this world. But Al-Baqiyatu Salihatu is better and more lasting. <laughs> so why is that important to highlight here? Because wealth and children are usually for dunya. But the Prophet didn't just say give him wealth and children. He goes bless them. And to this day, his lineage, obviously, is well established. And many of the great scholars and mujahids and so on and so forth have come from his blessed lineage. In fact, many have married into the August Al-Ahl al-Bit. So he was blessed, not that this was for the world. The second, he was blessed with a long life. And this is also important. The Prophet said, the best of you are those who live long and do the, uh, the best of deeds. And the worst of you are those who live long and commit sins. So note again, long life isn't a good thing by itself. 
But when the Prophet prayed for his long life, it meant he's going to live a long life full of good deeds. Thirdly, an orchard which would yield its fruit twice, twice a year. The fourth, he was guaranteed forgiveness of his sins. The fifth, he was guaranteed paradise. And in sum number six, he was assured all goodness in this world and the next, which the Prophet explicitly mentioned. Said Allah, so subhanAllah, worthy honors for a truly most noble man. So note, the companions, they wouldn't mention their deeds. They would always say, humbly, we put our entire trust and hope in the du'as of the Prophet. For instance, you get many examples of this. So Anas, imagine, you know, we're going to start with him. He goes, what have you put your trust in? He can, you know, that CV comes out. He goes, all these du'as of the Prophet. So note again, he was honoured above others because of his intimacy and his blood tie with our beloved messenger. So all I mentioned today was concluding the subsection with regards to some of the priceless du'as our beloved messenger made for his young cousin. And note, he was given the best of both worlds. Are there any questions?